Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and macabre murders from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 125. It is. Well done, you. Yes, well done me for remembering. You got a number right. Well done. It's a quarter of a century plus a century. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a Marilyn uh, Monroe okay, quote. fine. Yes, that's I remembered things. You remembered words. Yay. Nicely done. Hooray. 125 episodes. That's a lot of episodes. We've been at this for a while we now, Nick Cavalier. And I stroke a beardy. But you have a beard. Yeah. And so stroke it? No, I shall. Enjoy it. I think you should cultivate one. I should cultivate a beard. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie, i got a couple of hairs down there. <laughs> it's on the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not subtle about the, the hairs on my chin. I am blessed in a way I do not have facial hair I, I've never had a problem with it but I've got a couple of very satisfying hairs to tug at on my chin every woman gets them men get them too I've heard but I'm not subtle about it in public I will sit in meetings just pulling away at that bad boy going no I've almost got it I've almost got it oh that's satisfying anyway sorry your majesty it's always a delight to be out with you in public <laughs> I'm a mistress of etiquette but how are you anyway I'm very well you're very well I can't complain strokey beardy well Strokey, we- strokey Weirdy Well. I like Strokey Weirdy Well. Strokey Weirdy Well. Strokey Weirdy Well. Sounds quite, yeah, I'm weird. I'm stroking it. It's okay. <laughs> you see, it made it weird. Yeah, it made it, made it weird. So you're well, <laughs> well sir. I'm well, yes. <laughs> Marvellous. Disturbed. <laughs> I'm tugging at the hair. I'm don't, nervous. Don't tug at the hair. <laughs> you leave the hair alone. Any poisonings this week? I don't believe so. You don't believe so? I don't believe so. Everyone's very busy. Everyone is busy. Yes, back to school, all that malarkey. Oh, yes. Emergency pencils have to be purchased and protractors and compasses and things that you have to get all the notebooks what era is this school I remember when you went back to school after when school you holidays, went back to school when i went back to school you in 1742 your, yeah your clay slate and your bit of rock much my, my chalkboard out and <laughs> get your precious abacus get me abacus going you oil the abacus before you went back to school and your teacher would say you won't be able to carry an abacus around with you better have your mental arithmetic exactly and they were shockingly right <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did used to like the back to school. Oh, absolutely. Gathering of the stationery. Yeah, absolutely. Going stationery shopping for pens and pencils. Oh, very yeah. exciting times. What kind of pencil case did you have? I was quite fond of a tin. Oh, you had a tin? Oh, of yeah. course you had a tin. You were one of the cool kids who had a tin. I was always, yeah, absolutely. But I've, <laughs> I've got a couple of pencil cases that I do like. I've got one with monsters on, which is quite fun. It's got my colouring pencils in. Oh, that oh, that is quite nice. Yeah. When you say tin, was it an actual p- pencil case tin, or was no, it, it was just an empty Heinz no. bean can yes, that that's, you that's taped what it to was. your stationery too? Yes, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> it was an old tobacco tin <laughs> found in a bin, <laughs> and your pen was a bit of bone. <laughs> yeah, that's how it, that's how it worked back in the day down in Thanet. I mean, I I went to a girls' school. Yeah, so. you went to a private fancy school. Oh yeah, yeah. We had ponies delivering our yeah. stationery to us. You you had servants to do the writing for you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and that's... they all wrote with swans' feathers. 
I can that they well plucked imagine. in front of us so we could have it for lunch. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the back to school crowd, we are with you. We salute you, teachers who are going back to school. Children, if you're listening to this and you're going back to school, g- good luck. And also, why are you listening to us? <laughs> have a word with your parents. Indeed, tell your teachers of poisonings. Well, speaking of teaching children questionable things and going to school to learn even more questionable things, mm. I think it is time for us to thank our lovely, delicious Patreon subscribers. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much for joining us this week. We have um, Sasha Moore Hoagland. Thank you very much. And Servant of Awareness. That's very fancy. Uh, very fancy. It's very fancy. And slightly ominous as well, I feel. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much. No, to thank our... you. Thank you. But I feel like I'm being watched somehow. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Wonderful Patreon subscribers. We do encourage you to to jazz up the names when you sign up. You don't have to use your real name if you want us to. We, you just put it in brackets or whatever. And you can message us and tell us who you really are if you want to reveal your identity. But Servant of Awareness sounds like a very strange superhero. Yeah. That's, and that's also, a... it's not a big superhero. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a it's like a backup psychic superhero, isn't oh. it? If, if you call them yourself a servant, a servant of awareness. No, they're they're they're, they're honourable to their task. Right. I feel the servant of awareness. They serve. They live to serve. They put it in the name. Oh, I see where you're going with that. Okay, but that's yeah. that's why it's never going to be main character energy. Yeah, but maybe true. they're slightly psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. Thank for you. Thank us. you for your you sound lovely. <laughs> well, Nick, are you ready? I think so. Sure. Eh, not really, but let's go for it. To drink cocktails and talk about poison. Mm. Or we could drink poison and talk about cocktails. Yeah, we could do that too. We could do that too. It could be a lot of cocktails. Because I'm looking at the story going, have we done this one before? And I'm going, I really hope we haven't. <laughs> so it could be a lot of cocktails. Desperately scrabbling <laughs> for bloody anything. So. Crafting it between us. Could this be the week? Could this be the week? Possibly. I go, I really need to write a bloody list of what we've done. I know. You think we'd be organised. <laughs> I'm going to write a list of all the ingredients, all the stories we've covered, and all the backup stories that we must cover in the future. It's not happened yet. No. No. If anyone wants to do it for us, we will send you a, a big present. <laughs> We will. Yeah, we'll, we'll send absolutely. you shit. We don't mind. We'll do a personal video of us drinking and we'll send you some <laughs> booze. And we'll send you some booze and some cookies and a dog. N- not a dog. Uh, a and picture not of a booze dog. or cookies either because we can't do that. We're not allowed to do that. <laughs> Whatever you want, we'll send it. <laughs> We're going to go with the first one. Uh, hopefully. This is white wine was a good idea I before so. we started this. Yeah, it's always a good idea. Yeah, it's not my episode. It is Nick's story this week, but we can't, we can't, we can't possibly have a story without a cocktail in hand. As you know, dear listeners, every week we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell, and it will flavor our cocktail of the week. Nick's story, mm-hmm. so his pick. This week's secret ingredient is. I was pleased with this one. Moonlight. 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 It's a good one. That works. I like it. Romantic? Uh, potentially. Mystical. Mystical. Moony. Moony. <laughs> All those things. Moonlight conjures up a lot of thoughts and images. It does, yes. A lot yes. of possibilities. The very powerful magic, very powerful uh, aura and all these things. It also makes you think of werewolves. Werewolves. We, uh, we all like werewolf. Was there a murder involved in the moon landing? The man in the moon killed all the astronauts. <laughs> <laughs> The previous missions were all ended in murder on the moon, but they kept sending people. That's weird. Yeah. Well, with moonlight mm. as the ingredient, yeah. What have you come up with? So we are going to have a moonlight. Oh, a moonlight. A moonlight. A moonlight. Yeah. Captured in a jar. Romantic. That is lovely. I mean, imagining something silvery and mystical. Well, fingers crossed. I think it is time for us to dance under the light of the moon into <laughs> the poisonous cabinet kitchen and shake up a storm. So we'll see you in a minute. We'll see you in a minute. 
And we're back. Hello. So, Nick, ooh, a moonlight. Moonlight. Now, this is a very beautiful color. It's very beautiful. It's it very is good. a lilac. Would you call this a lilac? I would, I would go lilac-y move. Sort Almost of, lavender? Yes. Sort of, yes. sort of shade. A beautiful, delicate purple mm. color. Almost reminiscent of moonlight <laughs> in the right circumstances. <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to be able to pull this off. <laughs> and photographing it was a bitch. Yeah, right? it's not easy to photograph. So it's probably come out a lot greyer than it is in real life. But trust us, it's the most beautiful, delicate lavender colour. Should I venture a guess now? Is there lavender in it? No. Oh, thank the good Lord. <laughs> All right, so let's dive in. Okay, well, okay. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. There's flavours. There are flavours. Are, are they good flavours? I'm going to venture there is violet in this. <laughs> there is violet in this. Should have seen it coming a mile off as, really soon, yep. <laughs> as soon as I raised it to my nose. Ooh, that Palmer violet yep. smell. The the violet sweets that your granny uh, used to force upon you. I'm, I'm a big fan of a Palmer violet. You love a Palmer I violet. I love a Palmer violet, me. Yeah, so, so a lot of violet there and then something sharp and then it stopped. <laughs> and then nothing else happened. And then nothing else. Well, that's my first sip impression. <laughs> so I'm going to take a second sip. I'm enjoying that. Very crisp, very refreshing, very violety. Very violety. There is a lot of violet in it. I have to say, there is a lot of violet. There's more violet yeah. than I would anticipate it. And you the... have to be on board with that. <laughs> really nice summery drink as the dregs of summer depart from us. Uh, yeah. yeah. We'll talk us through it, Nick. Okay. Well, basically, it is a variation of an aviation. And aviation is one of my favourite cocktails. Yes. So it is gin. Yep. It is violet. Mm. Triple sec. Okay, nice. So, whereas an aviation would have maraschino, this yes. is using triple sec um, for, for, the, for the fruitiness. And whereas an aviation would use lemon juice, this uses a combination of lemon and lime. Okay. Bit of, bit of equal parts of both to make up the citrus aspect. Because lime is generally a bit more sharp, bit sharper. So, it's, it's increasing in soundness from that. I think you're right. I think in this particular version, the violet is slightly overdone for my taste. I would prefer mm. something slightly, just a drop less violet. And I think it'd be lovely. What are the quantities? So, you've got one and a half parts of gin. Okay. You have got three quarters of a triple sec, half a violet. Oh, it's a lot. And then um, a quarter each of the lime and the lemon. So I would probably, because mm. in an aviation, you're usually looking around about a quarter of the violet. Yeah. So I would drop the violet down, maybe a third quarter, drop that down. And I think that might make a slightly less floral drink. Because <laughs> I mean, I, I love violet. I look, So I don't find it unpleasant at all. But I, I can see to some people it is too, it would be too perfumed. How do you find this compared to the aviation? It's interesting, actually. The the, the triple sec and the, the maraschino. I'm I'm not sure which one. I, I must admit, I haven't had an aviation for some time. Make one so, immediately. Yeah, I might have to go make one. Um, <laughs> I'm enjoying this very much. You like it? Yep. You're happy with it? Yeah. I will say the, the violet is such an acquired taste mm. and it's very perfumed. I don't want people to misconstrue this, that this is a big mouthful of perfume when you drink it. It's just... The violet is there and there's no getting away Absolutely. from it. Yeah. No matter how subtle it is, the tiniest amounts of violet in a drink, you're going to yeah, taste it. Yeah, it's like it. absinthe, isn't it? It's, you, you know it's there. Exactly. And you can't get away from it. It is what it is. Mm. And it's a big bowl flavour. If you don't like that flavour, then don't have this drink. <laughs> However, everything else with it, it's really fresh and crisp. Mm. You just have to be okay with the violet. <laughs> you just have to be okay with the violet. And I'm okay with the violet. It's just, I'm not 
100% okay with a violet. I don't know Moderately what it is. okay with a violet. <laughs> you're, you're on one side of the fence or the other with violet. There's no, there's no middle ground, really, I think. And it's beautiful. It's so... It makes, it makes it makes a difference from a brown drink. It does. We've had a lot of brown. I was looking through our own scan for you, just like brown, brown, that's brown, brown, brown. That's more brown. Alongside the aviation, if you are okay with violet, mix them up. <laughs> Elegant. It is a long drink ish. It's nice and cold and crisp. Oh, perfect for going into autumn. <laughs> yeah. it does make me realise I need to up my garnish game. Uh, really? Yeah. So what, what's well, no, the garnish? Just uh, some lemon oils or some. Limals expressed over the top. I think a garnish goes a long way to making a drink look wow. And I, I lack, can't be arsedness. Violet flower. Oh, something, yeah, just something. Yeah. In an aviation, you would generally have a maraschino cherry because you've got oh, maraschino yeah. in there. But that does make a difference. It makes such a difference to a drink. Do you think so? I think it does. I think it does. How it's presented. But also, if you're using peels, mm. lime peel, orange peel, you are, you are expressing the oils from those, which yeah. does impart a great deal of flavour, which... I'm not taking the most advantage of. Would no. that alter the flavour yeah, of it? Yeah, I think they, they do, absolutely. Not, oh. not always. If you've got a violet flower on, then no, it's not going to alter the flavour of it, but it would alter the, the the visual appeal. Yeah. I think definitely. We've all had those cocktails where the visuals yeah. promised a lot and the delivery was very, very bad. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Do you love it? I love it. No. <gasps> like it. Yes. Make it again. Probably. Well, with our moonlights firmly in hand as we bundle moonbeams and we walk down the street towards Storyville is it time for a tale of murder and mayhem Nick it most certainly is hooray so you over there you like films oh I do are you familiar (laughs) yeah with the 1976 horror classic the town that dreaded sunset oh the town that dreaded sunset I'd heard of it I had not seen it Knew the name. Have I heard of it? I, I don't want to lie. My instinct is always to go, go yeah, absolutely. yes, yes. No, I don't know that film. Okay. You're about to find out something about it. Okay. And after this, we may watch it. Okay, yay. <laughs> so the film states in its opening sequence, the incredible story you are about to see is true. Where it happened and how it happened, only the names have been changed. I'm sure it was all done in a very deep, gravelly, dramatic voice. That is the same sort of intro to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yep, absolutely. But this film tells a story of a mystery killer (gasps) who terrorises a small Texan town. Okay. Well, the film was based on our story this week. Yay. The Texacana Moonlight Murders. Brilliant. I am settled in. I am ready for this. You said you thought we'd done this. How would you not remember yeah, no, this reaction? No, indeed. So I thought, <laughs> I, I must have just read it a bit previously. So Texacana yep. is a small little town on the border of Texas and Arkansas. Nice. In the early months of 1946, the town is paralyzed with fear as a phantom slayer strikes again and again resulting in five deaths and three near fatal assaults before the phantom disappears (gasps) it all starts on friday the 22nd of february 1946 it's around 11 45 in the evening and jimmy hollis and his girlfriend mary jean larry they are parked up in a secluded little road the couple have just been to see a movie so i'm sure they were discussing the finer points of the film but whatever they were doing in the car, they were interrupted. <laughs> whatever they a, were doing They in were the discussing car. things in great detail. <laughs> That's exactly what they were doing at 11.45 of an evening in a car down Lovers Lane. But as they are discussing such things, mm. a man appears at the driver's door and shines a flashlight through the window. The man is wearing a white cloth sack 
or pillowcase over his head Ooh. with holes cut out for the eyes. Oh, no, okay, no. Yeah, not a, no. not a good look, really. Now, Jimmy Hollis tells the man he's got the wrong car. Go away. The wrong car? The wrong car, which I think is quite bold to a man with a sack over his head and a flashlight. Yeah. I would be crying by this point, I feel. <laughs> so, <laughs> no questions No questions, asked. just panic. Take the girl. Take the girl. <laughs> Spare my life. I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> the man responded, I, I don't want to kill you, fellow, so do what I say. Oh, no, oh, that's not good. The young couple are ordered out of the car. Um, and the man orders Hollis to take off his goddamn britches. Oh, Jesus. Which is a bit weird. Jimmy does as instructed. Um, and the man strikes him over the head with a pistol. And he falls to the floor. Janine later tells the police that the noise was so loud that she actually thought Hollis had been shot. But it was, in fact, his skull fracturing. <gasps> Now, after the assault on her boyfriend, Mary assumes that the the assailant wants to rob them. This man is just out for cash or whatever. And she shows him Jimmy's wallet going, there's nothing in there. We've got nothing to give you. Yeah. In response, he strikes her with a blunt object. The man then orders her to stand up and run. Okay. Now, this is going to get a bit unpleasant for this next section. Trigger warning, trigger warning. Okay. The man chases after her and he does catch her. And he asks why she's running. Why are you running? She t- he told her to, and he calls her a liar, and he knocks her to the ground. Jesus. He then sexually assaults her with the barrel of his gun. <laughs> oh. So apologies for that. That was a very unpleasant detail. After the assault, the, the man casually walks away. Mary gathers herself and runs half a mile to the nearest house waking the residents and phoning the police now meanwhile jimmy has regained consciousness after being fracturing his skull and he is also able to flag down a passing motorist who finds a phone and also contacts the police Mm. and very quickly the area is surrounded there's the county sheriff bill presley and a number of other officers they all arrive at the scene but the assailant is long gone that is unpleasant on a number of levels. A number of levels. Ooh. Jimmy and Mary Jean, they they give slightly conflicting reports of their attacker. Obviously, it's all been mm. done in a, such a frenzy of... Ah. Uh, Mary said that she could see under the mask. And she reports that he is a, a light-skinned African-American man. Mm. Jimmy, on the other hand, has said that their attacker was, was a tanned white man dark out Mm. there so jimmy's had a flashlight in his eyes as well from the beginning so he's slightly dazzled but it gives the police nothing to go on this is quite a large suspect pool they've got to go from so basically a man it's a man a man did all these terrible terrible things yeah that's it that's all we have a month later okay the morning of saturday the 24th of march Uh, again a passing motorist noticed that a car is parked up along another little quiet lane now, it's quite unusual for anyone to be parked there, especially early on a Sunday morning. Hmm. Um, what's going on? And they do the civic thing and they decide to investigate to make sure nothing is awry. They approach the car and the motorist sees two people inside. Now, initially, he assumes that they, they're asleep. They've broken down. They've slept in the car or something like that. Oh, shit. Um, but it is soon clear that they are not asleep. All is not well at all. Oh. Richard Griffin and his girlfriend, Polly Ann Moore, are both dead. Richard is found between the front seats on his knees with his head resting on his crossed hands, which are sort of on the dashboard in front of him. And his pockets have been turned inside out. Polly is found lying face down on the back seat. Both of them have been shot in the back of the head. 
Now, when the police arrive, they they quickly identify a, a, a patch of blood-soaked earth on the ground just outside outside the car, um, along with a blood-stained blanket. Mm. And they reason that perhaps the, the couple may have been lying on the blanket. Killer has arrived, found them, <laughs> murdered them, and then actually put them back in the car and positioned them. Positioned Richard in the front in a seat. like Almost, yeah. It's sort of like, yeah, in between the, the, the front seats, head on the dashboard. And a very bizarre position to be in. Then Polly Ann just sort of like on the back seat. And there was no indication on this case of any sort of sexual element. She had not been assaulted. Just both been shot. Just if, been if shot. If one can say just been shot. Okay. As they continue to search the area, they also find a twenty-two caliber cartridge case that had likely been ejected from something like a Colt automatic pistol. Oh. And they think that this was most likely the murder weapon. The police launch an investigation, along with other sheriff's departments from the area and the FBI are called in as well. This is now a major thing. They mm. interview over 50 people and they post rewards rewards in an effort to gain new information on the case the reward only succeeds in producing more and more false leads over a hundred false leads that they are that they have to run down and prove to be nothing which is very upsetting to know that there's a hundred false leads in these kinds of murders but we know it happens over well, the annals of time well it happens absolutely and people hoaxes people and... well but hoaxes but also people think they are legitimate they've, they've seen yeah. someone wandering around it turns out that person was walking the dog entirely legitimately <laughs> but there, it involves police time to discover that on the 14th of april the phantom strikes again no Around 1.30am in the morning, Paul Martin picks up um, Betty Jo Booker from a concert at the local VFW club where she has been playing in a band. She plays the saxophone. Good for her. Yep. (laughs) Paul's body is found around Uh. 6.30am, about five hours after he picked up Betty Jo. He's lying on his left side along the edge of the road. He has been shot four times. Jesus. Once through the nose, again through the ribs, the third time in his right hand, and finally through the back of the neck. What? So massive overkill. Now, knowing that the Betty Booker had been with Paul that night, the the police start searching the surrounding area. She's out here somewhere. She is found five hours later lying behind a tree. She's fully clothed with her right hand inside one of her pockets. She has been shot twice, once through the chest and once in the face. The investigators are able to confirm that the weapon used was the the same as the, the first double murder, a 32 automatic Colt pistol. Now, Paul Martin's car is later found about three miles away with the keys still inside. And authorities conclude the the couple had been in the car. Killer has approached them, but something has alerted the couple that all is not well. Something is very... And rather than being uh, attacked in the car or just outside the car, they have been able to run. They have been able to leg it. Do you think that there's any chance that they've read the previous news reports by this time? Potentially, absolutely. We're looking about three weeks or so later, so I'm sure this absolutely was in the public domain. People knew this was happening, and they were in a car on the side of the road. This stranger in a white pillowcase approaches. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) They know they've got to get out of there. I would say drive... Drive very yes. much over the person. Potentially, yes. If they were just a harmless person in a pillowcase trying to sell cookies, then I'll take that. Yeah. But if several people have been killed, then just take your chances. Yeah, but if they, they're at the driver's window with a gun oh, to your head yeah. and then they've managed to run, 
who who knows exactly Sweet but Lord. sheriff presley and also a texas ranger um a captain Manu- manuel gonzalez um who has been drafted in they both report that examinations on the two the two victims indicate that they have both put up an incredibly fierce struggle wow. they're covered in bruises and scratches where either they've run um, yeah. or they've actually tried to defend themselves before they had been killed which may well ex- explain some of the or the, the four bullet wounds that Paul had suffered if he was fighting back. Defense wounds. Yeah, and... absolutely. Now, it was after this attack and the apparent lack of progress in the investigation that the local paper, the Texarkana Gazette, coined the name The Phantom Killer. Terrible name. <laughs> the Phantom Killer. The Phantom Killer. It sounds good on paper. Yeah. It's a bit kind of like, well, oh, it's a ghost killer. Ooh. This is, this is 1946. I think they were less... <laughs> They, they were less critical about such things. We've had far better killer names earlier than this. Don't you give the 40s a free reign here. The Phantom Killer. He had a bag on his head. He had a bag on he his head. He did have a bag on his head. Call him the Scary Bagman Killer. The, the, the Bagman. The Bagman. The Bagman. Yeah. Isn't that terrifying? <laughs> the Bagman's coming, kids. Or also the Phantom Killer. Ooh, <laughs> oh, the Phantom Killer here. No, <laughs> I'm very critical of the press. Now, no matter what his name was, um, <laughs> the the town were in a panic. This Bagman, he's coming for them all. <laughs> now, they do not know where or when the killer will strike next yes because that would have been convenient to solve the crime it would it would have been handy and they just don't know <laughs> they just don't no, know they just don't know <laughs> don't know what's going on it's very inconvenient shops sell out of guns and ammunition within days oh god um, people fortify their homes they they board up windows they nail bits of wonky wood over doorways and things make uh, makeshift alarm systems they've got string with with pots and pans going around their property yes very mate. cunning 100 percent. i would do that and leave some sort of fatal flaw by the door yeah <laughs> i'll just leave a cab so i can get out yeah, exactly so i can go and get snacks <laughs> yeah parents set curfews and forbid their children from stepping foot outside in case the bag man gets them <laughs> far more scary apparently it was not enough Oh, oh, I don't like it. Chrissy, wake up. I don't like this. It's time for a break. I think I need a drink because I am downed <laughs> by drinks. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We've restocked our drinks. We have. I feel maybe mentally prepared for what's I, coming well, next. Well, that's unwise. It's now Friday the 3rd of May. It's 9pm. Virgil Starks and his wife Katie. They're at home on their farm just on the outskirts of Texarkana. Mm-hmm. Virgil is sitting in his armchair reading the paper when suddenly there is the crack of a rifle and the smash of breaking glass. Oh shit. Virgil has been shot twice in the <gasps> back of the head through the closed window. That now hearing, a good shot. Yeah, 
know, hearing the sound of the breaking glass, Katie comes rushing in from another room where she sees her husband, Virgil, much of his head missing. Not a good sight. Slumped in his chair, covered in blood. She runs to the telephone to call the police. Uh, the phone rings twice before again the bullets begin flying. Katie is hit in the head. Thankfully, this one is only a glancing blow. Um, and with blood pouring down her face, she staggers out to the front door and runs barefoot across the street to her sister and her brother-in-law's house. Mm. No one is home. Oh. Thankfully, she runs to another neighbour, Mr. Pratter. And he answers when Katie hammers on the door. She gasps out that Virgil is dead and she collapses. Now, the Starks were well liked in town. And this seems slightly different. These are not kids out on a late night in a car. No. Sort of, yeah, down some lover's lane. Up they, to yeah, inverted yeah, commas, Up no to good. whatever. These are people who believe they are safe and secure in their own home. Reading the paper after a hard day's work, minding your own business. Someone out there on a hill is taking aim at you through a rifle through your window and it's quite frightening because there's a window just there and i'm convinced that someone in that house over there is aiming at me with a gun but you never know it's frightening close well, all the windows close all the blinds i'm backing up to a chimney father christmas could get me at any t- at any time he's been waiting <laughs> just appear and slit my throat and be gone <laughs> and you wouldn't know what happened <laughs> Now, the hysteria grows in the town follow, I mean, yeah. in the days following the murder of Virgil Starks. Well, who's safe now? Well, indeed, absolutely. Now, there is constant media coverage and massively increased police activity. The Texarkana Gazette states on the 5th of May that the killer might strike it again at any moment, at any place, at any one. Okay, not responsible journalism. Yeah, it's not helping. No, 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 no. <laughs> I cannot overstress this enough. I am a journalist. We don't put that out because that is going to inside terror yeah and it's not going to help anybody Anything. and exactly except that. for sales <laughs> yeah it is absolutely it doesn't really help keeping the town calm police are inundated with reports of prowlers people mm. who look slightly dodgy people who don't look dodgy but they're outside my fucking house <laughs> <laughs> Keep an eye on that weird looking yeah, kid out absolutely. there. I mean, one officer states that nearly all the alarms, the, the alarms that have been sounded, are the result of excitement, wild imagination, and near hysteria. <laughs> and he's absolutely right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you'd react in that situation. Mm, well, indeed. We, none of us have ever been, I, I assume, no. put in this situation where there is a killer on the loose, where mm. there is someone you have to suspect your neighbours, your dearest friends. You could be a victim at any point. So what what happens in that situation? Yeah. What, what accusations do you throw? What actions do you take? Well, I mean, Texacana becomes an even more dangerous place. Mm. So not only is there a phantom killer stalking the streets, there are scared, nervous, Nervous, heavily armed citizens with itchy <laughs> trigger fingers. Um, <laughs> so it's not a relaxing place to be. I mean, uh, I know this is a terribly stressful situation. I'm just picturing Homer the Vigilante episode <laughs> of The Simpsons. That's exactly how it works. <laughs> the police they actually eventually they have to turn on their sirens and announce their arrival when they arrive people call them and go there's someone dodgy okay we'll send someone out the police have to stand on the street shouting that we're the police (laughs) to avoid being shot 
as they approach the house. Good God. Because the people are there with guns going, anyone approaches this house, we're going to blast the shit out of them. Sorry. <laughs> it really doesn't help that the Texas Ranger, Captain Gonzalez, he announces over the radio that citizens should oil up their guns and see that they are loaded and not to hesitate if they feel necessary to use them. Great. Great advice from wow. the police. Make sure you've got all the ammo. Blast away if you need. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Oil up your guns. The people who don't understand how to use guns. <laughs> There's people just dripping vegetable oil on their guns going, I don't know, he said to do it. I think this this is a town in Texas. I've got a, <laughs> I, have, I have a feeling they're probably used to the, the use of guns. Well, generally America, they know how to use a gun. If it happened in Kent, vegetable oil, olive oil, what type of oil do I need? Ground nut. Ground nut that, oil. That, that leaves no flavour. Some linseed oil. Buff up that stock really nicely. Yeah, so that's how it will be in England. We're not so good with the guns. I'm not going to talk about the Irish because mm, quietly. <laughs> Rumours rapidly spread throughout the town. Now, one day the killer has been caught. We've got him. Hurrah. The next, Ooh. he's still on the loose. God knows. Where is he? The townspeople start calling the police stations, going, have you got him? I heard you've got him. What's going on? Yeah. Um, and when they they find out that he's not been caught, he's still mm. on the loose, They people assume that he's escaped. And right. again, the rumours spread. But I heard from Bob, who heard from his barber, who heard from his cousin, um, <laughs> that, he's, that he's been arrested. No, that's not true. Oh, you're liars. You're all bastards. Bob's barber's cousin has never let me down. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> In a radio, another radio interview, um, Sheriff Presley declares that obviously innocent people are being accused of being the phantom. And he actually asks residents to show more consideration for their fellow citizens. He's trying to calm mm. it down. The ranger chap is going, shoot everyone you can. <laughs> <laughs> Sheriff Presley's going, no, it's okay. Well, that is the sheriff's job. Yeah. <laughs> Standing in the middle of the party of everyone shooting everyone, going, could we just talk for a minute? Could we just have a chat? Let's just have a chat. Now, while much of the town locks themselves away behind closed doors, mm. the police do do what they can to try and capture the phantom. Now, they have so little I, evidence to go on. I can't get on board with the phantom. I'm no, sorry. Because you say phantom. phantom, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Do you think he has that mask? Which is why no one <laughs> Can see no him. one can see him it's a white mask <laughs> scary yeah. bag man i want it noted okay darkness sharpens <laughs> i'm going to kill you whatever you want to call him they have very little evidence to go on so they can't mm. really track him down so they they hope he might come to them what so authorities they set up traps for the killer <laughs> each weekend armed undercover officers sit in their cars now either with their actual partners what? who i'm no. sure are not thrilled to be involved in this at all <laughs> um or with mannequins lady mannequins <laughs> in the cars to try and lure the killer into striking oh my god that's amazing every time unsurprisingly the ruse fails please let there have been a couple of cars <laughs> Where there were some police officers having to drag up. <laughs> Big Betsy Sue. My wife won't do it. We've run out of mannequins. It's, it's down to you, John. I'm not comfortable with this. Why are you touching me on the leg so much? It has to be authentic. It has to be, it has real. to be authentic. You never take me anywhere nice anymore. With mannequins. Yeah. Mannequins. Well, it can't, it can't be two blokes because then that, that, the killer will go, no, nah, I'm not interested in that. I need couples. My girlfriend, she's not doing it. She's, she's not interested in being based. <laughs> and I can imagine that. <laughs> Darling, I have to try and catch this killer. Would you mind sitting in a car with me? Absolutely fucking Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Who was the wife who said yes? Yeah, some of them did. Really hoping that her husband be shot first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, this, this does not work. 
Mr. <laughs> now, maybe the mannequins are not that convincing. Maybe the killer is put off by like, the 20 cops hanging from trees and <laughs> hiding behind bushes and things. I'm here behind a twig. <laughs> can't see me. Everything's clear. It's all clear. It's all clear. Can't it's see any killers. Can't see any killers. <laughs> the killer's nowhere near there. Yeah. The police, they are not the only ones trying to catch the bagman. The young people of Texacana, they are fed up. They are mm. fed up of being unable to go about their their normal lives. So they decide to act. Okay. Now, one night, Deputy Tillman Johnson, he's on his patrols and he spots a couple cuddled up in a car mm-hmm. on an isolated rural road. Now, he approaches the vehicle and he's about to give them an absolute bollocking. What the fuck do you think you're doing out here? There's a killer mm. on the loose. Why are you out here? Thankfully, he announces his arrival to this to the car and the the young woman replies you're the one who ought to be scared mister it's a good thing you told me who you are i was ready for the killer and she shows the deputy the pistol that she had been pointing at him as he arrived and walked over to them okay (laughs) so they are setting their own honey traps for the killer that's what it's come to don't approve don't approve (laughs) no indeed now, the fear and panic caused by these murders lasts throughout the summer. But there are no new attacks. And the worry eventually fades away. The Texas Rangers leave Texacana in October. They don't let anyone know they're going. Just one morning, they're not there anymore. Okay. They, they've, just, they've just gone. Well, I don't think it would be very effective if they just shouted, I'm leaving! I'm going now! Bye! In May 1946, a man is found lying face down on the Kansas City Southern Railway tracks just north of Texarkana. Now, it is alleged that the man has been killed with a sharp object before being placed on the railway tracks. He is identified as Earl McSpadden. And he is widely believed either to be the phantom who guilt-ridden committed suicide. No. Or he is the phantom's final victim. Why? No other crime is ever linked to the Phantom Killer. Okay. Why this particular gentleman was linked as the last victim. It's not a big town. Murder's not a common thing. So Fair enough. Yeah, so we do not know. Mm. Now, throughout the investigations, almost 400 suspects were arrested. Nine people even confessed to being the Phantom Killer. Yeah, um, <laughs> but their statements never really match up with what happened or the facts. These confessions are eventually put aside. Go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course you didn't, mate. It's all nonsense. You're all mad people confessing to things you haven't done. Mm. Now, although no one has ever actually been charged for the Texarkana Moonlight Murders, there have been several candidates who have been pointed to over okay. the, over the years. The first is 29-year-old Yoel Swinney. Okay. Now, he is arrested in July 1946 for Mm. car theft. Now, he's arrested by a rather enterprising young officer who has been trying to link car thefts to the murders. He's finding some correlation between these these crimes. And he has actually realised that on the night of the the Griffin Moor murders, a car had been stolen in the area um, and a previously stolen car had been found. Now, he surmised that what had the killer used stolen cars to get mm. to the place of crime and, and 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 then as a getaway vehicle now officer tackett is able to he's able to locate the stolen car and he arrests swinney's wife peggy when she comes to retrieve it 
Peggy confess in great detail that Swiney is the phantom killer. What? Absolutely, my husband did it all. He had killed Betty Jo Booker. He's killed Paul Martin. Absolutely. It was all my husband. You what now? Yeah. Now, her story does change quite a lot over the, <laughs> over various interviews. A bit of a bad marriage, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. And police believe she's hiding a lot more, potentially mm. due to fear of her husband or for fear of incriminating herself in her confessions. Oh. Now, okay. when when Yule is taken in for questioning, supposedly for car theft, he asks the officers if he's going to get the chair, which right. seems a bit extreme for car theft. Really? Yeah. Guilty conscience going no, on No, I, I, I don't buy that. No. We're, we're, we're arresting you for stealing some cars. Am I going to get the chair? Okay. To be fair, and all love to all of our listeners from that area, it's Texas. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I think everyone in Texas would go, well, yeah, I mean, at the time, at the time, we have talked at length in England <laughs> at a period of time, you cut down a tree, hang him. <laughs> now, Peggy recounts her entire confession. And legally, she cannot be compelled to testify against her no, husband. No, you can't. Absolutely. So the authorities Curious. are screwed. Now, they work for months to try and prove and validate peggy's confession using other means rather than her own rather than her word no luck eventually he is tried and convicted as a habitual car thief okay and he is sent to prison for the crime now many believe that he's actually pleads guilty to car theft in order to stop the police pursuing murder charges as something of a plea deal they can't prove that he's the murderer they think he is so, cops to that one, they're not going to look any further. Then we have Henry Booker Tennyson, 18-year-old university student who actually commits suicide on the 4th of November 1948, so a couple of years after the crimes. In his suicide note, he confesses to the murder of Betty Jo Booker, Paul Martin, and Virgil Starks. Okay. Now, it turns out that Tennyson had played trombone in the same high school band as that Betty Jo Booker had played the saxophone in. They are not friends. Many people thought that he did indeed hold a bit of a candle to, yeah. to Betty Jo. But investigators are unable to find any other evidence that links... It's a bit weird, ...that links Tennyson to, to any of the, the crimes. And actually, during their investigations, they find a friend of Tennyson's mm. who is able, able to provide quite a strong alibi for the night of the Starks murder that he and Tennyson had been in a bar playing cards and there are yeah. numerous people there. So people go, probably not. Yeah. Why he confessed to such a thing? Yeah. Trouble man to, to take his own life in the first place. Mm. Why he would confess to such a thing as that, we, we could not know, but please think... No, it was it was not it was not him. There are numerous other names. Ralph B. Bauman, who claims to have awoken from a fugue state the day after the Stark murders. He's no recollection of what's happened the previous few months. He has no idea what's going on. His rifle is missing. What's happened to it? Mm. He actually hands himself into the Los Angeles police, saying that he thinks he may well be the phantom. It wasn't. Then there's an escaped German POW. Okay. He escaped. He's never found. His pursuers claim what? he vanished into thin air. Was he oh, the sake. killer? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> In May, 
A hitchhiker armed with a pistol carjacks and robs a man, uh, threatening to kill him and stating that he had killed five people in Texarkana. No, it's bollocks. And he names Martin and he names Booker. Yeah. The hitchhiker goes on to say he has not finished killing people. Now, authorities indeed think, well, that's bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> the killer has gone to great lengths to disguise himself and to conceal yeah. his identity. So why would and you this just shout hitchhiker it? is shouting about it all over the place. No, no one knows. Who is the Texarkana Moonlight Murderer? Mm. Now, the town of Texarkana now somewhat celebrates its macabre history. Okay. Um, it is home to Texas's most famous unsolved murders. And every year at Halloween, they have a grand screening of the film, The Town That Dreaded Sundown. <laughs> and people come from miles around to watch <laughs> there we go. Text card of Moonlight Murders. Oh, that's good. I mean, you would lean into it. Yeah, in this absolutely. Day, in this day and age. Oh, Jack the Ripper tours, all oh, these sorts God, of things. You yeah. go with it, absolutely. Dark tourism and the rise of true crime and murder yeah. podcasts. You're going to be celebrating. Guys, come along. Come, come along. along and watch it. Absolutely. Pay $50 for a ticket or whatever <laughs> and watch it. Absolutely. Good story. Oh, these unsolved crimes, these unsolved murders. I mean, that's a. It does seem like just random spate, and then just stops because yeah, the person stops. decided, nah. No, or did no they more. just move elsewhere? They moved to a different town somewhere, mm. carried on killing, but the the things have never been linked across state lines. These things don't generally get linked up together. Maybe who knew? Has anyone out there mapped? the spate of serial killers or killings in one state against the, mm. those against another state and said like can we match up the timelines as someone moved away because a serial killer generally does not stop no indeed doesn't decide yeah i've had enough yeah or maybe they do well and they, they get they get caught for something entirely inconsequential <laughs> and they get put in jail so they can't or and they're not they have an accident or they, or they die or they die or yeah they, they physically they can't do whatever they need to do mm. so yeah there are reasons why people do just stop but yeah it's unlikely that people will just voluntarily going now nah, had enough now yeah <laughs> so. i find that fascinating the idea mm. I say I find that fascinating. It's more more um, macabre and um, yes, interesting. Yes, morbid curiosity. <laughs> a morbid curiosity, the idea if there was a serial killer out there and then they were killed or they died for some unrelated reason, just accidental, just stopped. And that's why we never know about them. Mm. And we try and build all of these theories and these stories behind them and just literally they no. couldn't carry on. They got that hit by a it. car. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. And that's why they're suddenly the greatest serial killer of them yeah. all. <laughs> Yeah, Jack the Ripper, maybe yeah. the same thing, was run over by a handsome cab and yeah. no one ever questioned you it. You never know. Ooh, it's scary. Don't want to sit in windows anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, scary bag man, not the phantom scary killer. Bag man. If you heard of the phantom killer, you would be I'm, thinking no, about I'm the No, I'd be going of the opera. Yeah, but uh, the Lloyd Webber musical wasn't a thing in 1946. But? Yes, but, <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't, that's had a huge impact in Texarkana. <laughs> you don't know that. You I'm, don't know I'm that. hazarding a guess. That journalist had read it <laughs> and was all over that shit. Ah, well, Maybe. great, great story. Love an unsolved murder. This kind of opens the door up as well because it's quite modern. How many more unsolved, weird <laughs> serial killer murders could we start delving into? Could we start looking at Zodiac Killer, Summer of Sam, others? It's up to you people. What do you think, people? What do you think of the story? 
story? What are your theories? What are your thoughts? Have you heard more news reports about it? And you want to weigh in on the debate about who might have committed these crimes? Jump on the comments of any of the social media channels that you follow to tell us your thoughts, your theories, your weird ideas about more stories we should cover. But most importantly, you must mix up a moonlight. A moonlight. Yes, indeed. The rest of you will be out on Friday as usual. It's an interesting one. I'd be intrigued to hear people's thoughts. Is the violet too much? Might be a little bit too much. Is it worth buying a bottle of Femme de Violet? I mean, you've got... I'm, I can now think of three different cocktails that use it. And you love all of them. I do love all of them, but two of them are practically the same thing. So okay. the Aviation and the Moonlight, very similar. And then you've got a Nasty Horn Lace, which will kill you. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's not that expensive. It's not you can you can pick up a bottle for about fifteen pounds. Oh, that's or okay, so, and it will last you a hell of a long time. Yeah. So if you love that Palmer Violet, you sweet like it, taste, then go for it. Mix up a drink because it will look beautiful for your oh, guests. Yes. Share pictures of what you are drinking this weekend on any of the social media channels that you follow, or just DM us pictures of you drinking. We love to see them. The best place to come and talk to us is, of course, on Patreon, where we have a wonderful community where for just $5 a month, you get an extra weekly episode, you get extra video content, you get extra little chats from us. And there's a higher tier where you will get an extra monthly episode looking at the weird and wonderful stories that are out there. The start of the month is a great time to join Patreon because you get all of the back catalogue and you also get a month loads of content ahead of you. Also, please leave us a review on Apple iTunes. We love all of you who have been leaving us reviews. We appreciate it so much. It really helps. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the Poisoner's Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. Bye.